0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm with you live today. I know sometimes we are playing best of because I'm traveling. It's just not possible to do the program when I'm traveling. I was gone all week last week, uh, pretty much visiting my son, <clears throat> and I appreciate all your prayers in his behalf. He is on the mend, and we believe in God for uh, him to be completely whole and healed and well and back to business as usual. So thank you for your prayers. Earl W. Jackson Jr. is his name, and he's down in Texas, and uh, he really appreciates the fact, the fact that people have been praying for him from all over the country. Well, I expect to be with you here live uh, this entire week. In fact, um, probably for the next several weeks, I expect to be here with you live. So I appreciate you tuning in. Tell a neighbor, tell a friend. And by the way, tune in anyway, because the likelihood is that you've missed some of the programs that we've done. And when we re-air them, you'll you'll get to see a program that you haven't seen before and hear me discussing issues that we really haven't gotten into or that you may not have heard me get into. Uh, today, before I jump into the Word, uh, I wanted to just mention this one story that that really... It got me because it is indicative of how deep, how profound the indoctrination uh, in our college and university system has become. I'm sure you saw it. A bunch of University of Michigan medical uh, school students walked out on a professor's speech welcoming them to the University of Michigan Medical School um, because this professor happened to be pro-life, happened to be pro-life. Uh, these students walked out en masse. on mass, not all of them, but a bunch of them, a lot of them. And they, I think they call it the white coat ceremony. It's where they're brought in and, you know, they're put on their white coats. They're going to be doctors and, you know, they're welcomed in by a professor. Now, this professor happened to be pro-life, but the speech was not about life. It did not mention abortion. It did not mention any political issue. It was simply a speech saying, you know, you're here. We're glad to have you here. We're going to work together to make you the very best doctors you can be, et cetera, et cetera. Just just kind of a generic speech about being welcome to the university. They walked out on her because she happens to be pro-life. Now, this to me is profound because it brings up a couple of issues. One is it makes clear that our university system has so thoroughly indoctrinated people that they behave like a cult. And it really is, I, I, I don't think that's an overstatement at all. They really do behave like a cult. Now, here again, this woman didn't even mention abortion. She didn't even get into any issues. She just it was just a speech welcoming her, a welcoming, welcoming the students to the university, to the medical school. But the fact that she is known to be pro-life <coughs> was enough for them to turn their backs on her and walk away en masse. I don't have a number of how many students walked out, but it looked to me like probably at least half the room, 50, 60 students, maybe. I'm guessing, of course, but just a visual of, of the scene. And that tells me that they are so thoroughly, thoroughly indoctrinated that there is a hatred for anyone who dares to suggest that life in the womb is sacred before God and worthy of protection that is, is, for them, it, 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 is, it is a hateful idea. And the people who hold that view are to be hated. So it, it, it crystallized this for me. This is really a spiritual battle we are in because most of the ardent, pro-life activists are Christians and are coming from a Christian and biblical worldview. Psalm 139, Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And and, and, uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, that God says, I knew you and formed you and fashioned the days for you in advance. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what Psalm 139 says. They hate that view. They hate the view that we are made. We are created by almighty God for his purposes, for his plans to experience his love, his salvation, his redemption through our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. They hate the Christian worldview. And the fact that this woman didn't say anything about abortion didn't matter to them because they hate those who hold that view. So this is really a battle between Christians and secularists, between God and the devil, between good and evil. Now think about the implications of this. Would you want a doctor like that treating you if that doctor knew that you were pro-life? Because what that tells me is that what's most important to this person is not being the very best doctor he or she can be, but being the most doctrinaire they can be, the most ideologically and politically uh, correct that they can be, which is holding a secularist, atheist, Marxist, socialist worldview. The fact that you have doctors, and that's probably representative of the general medical community today, and certainly those who are preparing to come out of medical school. You know, it explains why communist revolutions always win the uh, intelligentsia, they win the intellectual elites, because they indoctrinate them in the colleges and universities to accept a Marxist worldview And they are the first to step up and and by the way, often among the first to be executed by the new order, because they always pose a threat because there's some danger that they might at some point decide to think for themselves. And they express any kind of independent thought, uh, they lose their lives for it. That's been the history of communism. That's the way communism has operated. And you see that here again, these are not people who would call themselves communists, were card-carrying communists, but their worldview is a communist worldview because the way they behaved is the way communists would behave. Communists would say, you have no right to thoughts that we don't want you to have. You have no right to thoughts that we don't agree with. And if you persist in those thoughts, we will destroy you. You know what they were really doing? What they were really doing was saying that this professor needed to go because they were not going to listen to her. Because they don't believe that her view is one that should be seen or heard. As a matter of fact, they, they, um, they made a comment, uh, they, uh, in a statement that was made by this student group about this, this, this theology, the theology behind the pro-life movement as if that's something that is enough to bring it under suspicion and cause us to disdain it, that it's based on a theological worldview. And what they're really getting at is based on a Christian worldview. It's based on a biblical worldview. The idea, the same idea that Founding Fathers had, that we were created. I'd say it doesn't portend well for the future of this country when you see highly esteemed professionals behaving in this cult-like manner where we, you know, we, all, we are all in lockstep agreement and we all walk out and we don't want to hear what she's got to say, but she's not talking about that. It doesn't matter. She's, a, she's not one of us. She's not a member of our cult. And we do, we do not want to hear from people who are not members of our cult. I mean, that's what it boils down to, folks. And that's why the name of this program is Wisdom Awakening. The name of my radio program is The Awakening. The name of my conference call is uh, the National Awakening Coalition Conference Call because I really believe that we need an awakening. The name of my network for all of my uh, audio and video broadcasts is The Awakening Network because we need an awakening in this nation. We need a move of God that causes all those students who stood up and walked out to repent, take off their white robes and their white frocks and repent in sackcloth and ashes for the evil of thinking that they have somehow the right to play God with the lives of human beings and determine you can live because it's convenient, but you can't live because it's not convenient. Now, folks, what does that remind you of? You can live because we think you should be able to live. You don't live because we don't think you should be able to live. What does that remind you of? I I don't even have to say it. It conjures up the very worst examples of genocide and mass murder uh, and, and attempts to exterminate whole peoples. Ethnic cleansing, religious cleansing, you name it and that's what these so-called future doctors subscribe to it's it is a sad situation folks a very sad situation um all right let's see where were we here had we finished up 1st Thessalonians Actually, you know, I don't think we had finished up first Thessalonians. I think we were we were coming to the end, but we hadn't quite gotten there yeah um, that, that is where we were right First Thessalonians I do believe this is this is terrible I know <laughs> folks. This is terrible, but here we go. Yeah, but we had to be in 1 Thessalonians. That just goes to show how long has it been? A couple weeks since I've been with you live. Is that what it is? Um, uh, you know what? I think what we're going to do is I'm going to come back to um, First Thessalonians and I'm going to pick up where I think we ought to pick up, and it's been been long enough that you probably could use the refresher if I'm covering territory uh, that I've already covered. I feel like. I was come, that I was closer to the end of First Thessalonians, um, but I'm not so sure. So let's, 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 you know what? Let's just, we'll just start it all over again and I'll go back and review and see if, see if, uh, if I need to, to make an adjustment. <laughs> this week. But, but this is, this is always, I mean, the Word of God is always worth looking at. In fact, I say about these messages, it it is always good to listen to a message that really blesses you and encourages you over and over and over again because the Word of God is so rich, we never get it all the first time anyway. We never get it all the first time. So let's go, let's pick up, let's, let's go back and pick up um, at first Thessalonians, uh, uh, sorry, uh, pick up at, well, I think we've already covered most of 1 Thessalonians, haven't we? But I'll tell you what, whether we did or not, whether we have or haven't, we're going to pick up at 1 Thessalonians. Here we go. It can only be for good. So it says in the first chapter, to the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, grace is not just grace for salvation. Grace is grace for living. That just as we are saved by grace, everything we receive from God, we receive by grace. We don't receive it because we deserve it. So when Paul says grace to you, he is saying, May the goodness of God, the mercy of God, the peace, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking, blessing of God, be rich in your life. That's what he's getting at. So remember, don't think you're saved by grace, but everything else you have to earn. No, you're saved by grace and you receive everything else that you receive from God by grace. So grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks, second verse, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And notice this. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. You know, the word of God manifests in power. It doesn't just manifest in word. It manifests in power. You know, all that... that, and, and Lord knows, I, I, I haven't built any kind of empire and I'm not seeking to. But all that, that the Lord has blessed me to, to do, to accomplish this this the studio, my church, stand, all of that is a manifestation of the power of Almighty God. In some cases, miracle working power where things happen that you just can't explain on any human basis. See, this is why we win. We win because... We have the supernatural power of God at our disposal, and the world does not. The world rejects God. They reject his love. They reject his power. And we embrace it because we know that it's real, because we know that he's real. So that's the word. The word of God ought to manifest. You know, I'll tell you something, folks. I've had this happen many, many times without me praying for somebody, without me calling out sickness or disease of some kind, where people just get healed, just listening to the word of God. Because there's anointing that removes burdens and destroys yokes that is on God's word. And when you hear God's word, it has power to help you. It has power to make a difference in your life. You know, here's an interesting scripture. And we'll come back to here to 1st Thessalonians chapter one. But if you've got your own Bible, go to Mark chapter 16. I want to show you something very, very interesting. Mark chapter 16, right around the end, it says, uh, Jesus said in the 17th verse, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants. And if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, that's not talking about these snake handlers. What it's, it's like the apostle Paul, like what he went through when he had his hands over the fire and a, and a viper jumped out and bit him and he shook the thing off and went on about his business. God was saying that the miracle and healing power of God is going to be available to you to deal with with whatever comes against you and challenges you. That's serpents. And I really believe that that's not only serpents, meaning demonic spirits, but literal serpents. Because remember, during that day and time, people were traveling, the apostles, the, the disciples were traveling the world. They didn't have the modern technology. They didn't have the modern medicine that we have. You got bit by a poisonous state, you were done. I mean, that can still be true today, but it was certainly more true then because there was no anti-venom for anybody to take. So any saying, even if you drink any deadly thing, remember, water wasn't purified. People were drinking things, and often the things that they were drinking was contaminated. Were, those things that they drank were contaminated. So but you drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt you. In other words, you're going to be under the supernatural protection of Almighty God. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Says, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. And then it says, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now, here's what I want to show you. If you've got your own Bible open right now, you'll see that word, them in the 20th verse of Mark 16 is italicized. Now, what that means is that that word is not in the literal Greek text. It was added at the privilege of the translators because they believed that it it helped the reader to better understand what the word is conveying here. Now, sometimes I think that's helpful. Sometimes I think it's not. In this case, I don't think it is. That word them is not part of the revealed word of God. Here's what it actually says. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with and confirming the word. God was working with and confirming his word. He wasn't confirming them. He was confirming his word and they were being confirmed because they were working with the word. God loves us. There's no question about that. But God is not in the business of confirming me as a human being because I make mistakes. I can be wrong. I can mess up. God is confirming his word because his word has no mistakes. His word cannot be wrong. His word cannot mess up. His word produces every single time. So you want to get upheld. You want to get um, strengthened. I say that the, what I call the Trinity of the Word. John one three. All things were made by the word. Hebrews one three. All things are upheld by the word. Hebrews eleven three. All things were framed by the world, or I may have that backwards, but but those three things. Um, John 1.3, Hebrews 1.3, Hebrews 11.3, made by the word, upheld by the word, framed by the word. And that word framed means established and ordered. You want your life to be ordered. You want your life to be established. You want your life to be set in its proper order and, and, and position and place the word, the word makes all things, the word upholds all things, the word frames all things according to God's will. Wow. Now folks, that's revelation right there. And that's what this is saying. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, power to make, power to create, power to uphold, power to frame. And in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as we know what kind, of you, as you know what kind of men we were among you, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit. Now here's another point that a lot of people miss. It says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. You know, people have this attitude. I'm not following man. I'm only following God. Well, actually, you're following both. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So you're actually following both. Now, ultimately, we're all following the Lord. But we do follow human beings who are following God presumably we're not following human beings who aren't following God but this is very important because this is God's order it pleased the Lord by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe I believe that's Romans chapter 10 to save them that believe by the foolishness of preaching well who's who does the preaching flawed human beings that God appoints to carry his word to a lost and dying world. Jeremiah 315 and I will give you pastors according to my heart who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That order is very, very important. A lot of Christians want to rebel against that order and act like they're they're a law unto themselves and they don't have to look. Every single Christian, every single minister of the gospel and every single Christian as well. But let me focus on ministers of the Gospel. Every single minister of the Gospel is an heir of the apostolic legacy handed down to us from Jesus Christ to the human beings whom he appointed as his apostles as his apostles and from them to us generation after generation after generation. And people, they they completely get out of order Uh, When they think their commitment, their loyalty, their obedience to the human vessel that God has appointed to lead them, to guide them, to shepherd them, to nurture them is somehow, oh, I don't need to do, I don't need that. No, you do need that. And it's part of God's order. And when you reject that, you're out of order with Almighty God. That doesn't mean we ought to be following every Tom, Dick and Harry who comes along and claims to be anointed by God. We ought to try the spirits and see whether they be of Christ. But you know, you can fall into either side of that ditch where I don't need to follow a human being. I don't need to listen to what somebody else tell. I know, I hear from the Lord on my own. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're going to hit the wall. Or where I don't pay any attention to the word of God. I only pay attention to what some human being says. Now you're on the, now you're on the other side of that ditch. That's going to be, you hit the wall that way too. That's called cultism. See, my job is not to get you to follow, adhere to, obey my every word. That's not my job. My job is to get you to follow, adhere to, and obey the word of God and to follow Jesus Christ. That's my job. My job is not to build a following for me. My job is to build a following for Jesus Christ. Now, I do have a job to to minister to, shepherd, support, help the people who are helping me, my partners. I do have a responsibility to do that. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that, okay? But as I've said to my church many times, my job is not to tell you who to marry, where to work, where to live, all of that. that that's, that's what my job is to teach you how to pray, how to hear from God, how to be close to God, and to let God lead you and guide you. And that can be fraught with some risk. But I'd rather that risk of you going into error on your own than the risk of trying to create a cult where like these authority cults that are created under the guise of christianity where they have everybody on lockdown everybody's under control everybody's required to do can't marry unless we tell you to you can't do this you can't do that you can't work here you can't work there you can't can't associate with this person stay away from your family because they don't know what we know i mean it just becomes It becomes an authority cult. But here's the proper balance. You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. In other words, the job of the minister is to help you to become an example to others as they see your faith, as they see your love, as they see your adherence to and commitment to the word of God, then they realize, wow, you've you've got something I want. And my job is to help you to become all of that. Ephesians chapter 4, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers of fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body in Christ we all come to the unity of of the spirit and to the fullness of the stature of the perfect man. And that perfect man is Jesus Christ. That's the job of the minister. That's why we teach the word of God. It is not to build our kingdom. Some people have gotten this twisted, not to build a kingdom for me or for you or for our, for us not to build our own towers of Babel. It is to advance the cause of the true King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and to build his kingdom because his kingdom is an eternal kingdom that will never end. Whatever you and I build for ourselves that will not withstand the testifier. Well, listen, God bless you. I'm glad to be back with you live. I'll be back again tomorrow morning at 830 a.m. Eastern time here on Wisdom Awakening. And we'll continue with the book of First Thessalonians. Seems fresh to me. So we're just going to continue going there. God bless each and every one of you. Stand up, step up, speak up, refuse to back up because we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.